0: Support for the following podcast comes from the Church Mental Health Summit, a free virtual summit with over 50 speakers from around the world, all focused on equipping the local church to support mental health in their churches and communities. To check out the speakers and to register for free, go to churchmentalhealthsummit.com. From Hope Made Strong, this is the Care Ministry Podcast, a show about equipping ministry leaders and transforming communities through care. Supporting those in your church and community not only changes individuals' lives, but it grows and strengthens the church. But we want to do that without burning out. So listen in as we learn about tools, strategies, and resources that will equip your team and strengthen hope. I'm Laura Howe, and welcome to the Care Ministry Podcast. On the podcast, we often look at different resources and strategies that are focused on helping others or strengthening ministries. But like I say in the opening, we do want to do that without burning out. So every once in a while, I sneak in an episode that focuses on your well-being as a caregiver. This is not the time to tune out or to skip the episode, but here we are going to be talking about how we can do both and how we can support others while at the same time, tend to your well-being and your needs because it, it's really, and really important my family, we really enjoy camping. We have a trailer and we like to travel around to different parks and from for time away with our family and friends. And the campfire is the best part of the day that everyone looks forward to. It might be the snacks, but it's also fun to sit around the campfire and enjoy each other's company. But when we're sitting there, everyone tries to avoid the smoke, myself included. But no matter how many times I try, I still walk away smelling like the smoke from the campfire it's in my hair it's in my clothes sometimes my eyes and my throat even burn at the end of the night if it's super smoky and I think this is a great analogy of what it can be like when we are caregivers and we spend our time and our spend our lives serving in ministry. We love to connect and support people. We look forward to those moments when we can encourage and offer hope, but regardless of how hard we try to have boundaries or to not bring work home with us, we are impacted by the stories of sadness, trauma, and suffering that others experience. The stories we hear and the situations that we walk people through can stick to us like smoke from a campfire. It it can impact our own well-being, how we think, and how we see the world around us. But just because we can be impacted by ministry or negatively impacted by ministry life, it doesn't mean that we should stop in any way. Like many other professions and callings, there are workplace Hazards and risks. This is why there are safety precautions put in place so people don't get hurt and they have longevity in their careers. Things like safety gear, training requirements, or even limitations on how long someone can be working or on shift. So, in caregiving roles in ministry, how can we continue to support others while staying safe so that we don't get impacted by these workplace hazards like burnout and compassion fatigue? What preventative strategies can we put in place that will help us as caregivers? have longevity in ministry. For those who have never heard the term compassion fatigue, let me give you a brief description. I know this can be new for some. Compassion fatigue is when caregivers are depleted physically and emotionally as a result of their caregiving work. This impacts their ability to offer empathy and compassion to others and to themselves. A key marker is when caregivers worldview shifts due to being surrounded by suffering and loss or when they feel numb and they lose empathy for others and themselves. And this is something that I've experienced firsthand, and it is different than burnout in that burnout can be experienced by anyone, not necessarily just by those who are caregivers. And burnout does not impact someone's worldview per se or impact their ability to have empathy, although that can be a side effect, but it's not directly related. Burnout actually happens when people feel hopeless, helpless, and experience periods of prolonged stress in any role that they have. Now, these are really brief descriptions, but back in episode 22, and I'm going to link those in the show notes, I share more about compassion fatigue and my experience. But even with these descriptions, I'm sure that you know of someone who has experienced compassion fatigue, burnout, or maybe like myself, they've experienced both. And if you're curious to learn more about your levels of burnout and compassion fatigue, you can take the professional quality of life quiz. This is a tool that measures your levels of burnout, compassion fatigue, and satisfaction in your caregiving role. And all you have to do is go to Finding Hope inhelpingorg quiz. I know that's a bit tricky, a mouthful, and I'm going to definitely have that in the show notes. Finding hopeinhelping.org slash quiz. You're going to answer 30 multiple choice questions, and then your personal results will be sent directly to your inbox. Like I said, in episode 20, I'm going to be, I talk a little bit more about, well, I talk a lot it more about what compassion fatigue is and the top 10 signs that I overlooked. But today I want to offer four ways that can prevent you from being depleted while you continue to serve, because we both know there isn't any end to people needing your support. So having longevity and care ministry means you have to have these preventative, Uh, or or protection or preventative habits while serving. During a quiet moment in prayer this past week, I was asking God to guide me so that my words were drenched in grace. I don't know where I came up with that terminology. Maybe it's a scripture I heard once or it's in a song. I'm not quite sure, but that's what I thought is drenched and dripping in grace. I wanted. I was asking God for help so that every conversation I had, people would walk away uplifted, encouraged, and hopeful. And this wasn't the first time I prayed this, but it was the first time I heard this response back from the Lord. He said, even those conversations you have with yourself <laughs> ouch what where did that come from God. i was i often get so focused on caring for others that i forget that i need to apply the same things to myself the Holy Spirit was correcting me this week and how I have spoken about myself to myself. Now, I'm sure I'm not the only one out there who is their worst enemy. I'm especially hard on myself if I don't reach a goal or if I forget to do something, or if I make a mistake. And I'm sure many of you are the same that you just kind of beat yourself up a little bit. But I would never ever speak to a friend the way i would sometimes speak to myself so god gently corrected me and it was a timely challenge for me to learn that i need to offer grace to myself and speak to myself the way i would speak to my to a friend in this episode i'm sharing four practical ways that you can continue to support others while meeting your own needs and being kind to yourself these tips are things that i often encourage others to use but then i can forget to use them myself so while these practical tips aren't necessarily rocket science, we all need those reminders sometimes. These are fantastic ways to care for yourself because caring for yourself is not selfish, but it actually prevents burnout, compassion fatigue, and it's simply just treating ourselves like the children of God that we are, just like we would want to treat a friend. So the first practical way to care for yourself in the midst or well, or concurrently while you're supporting others is managing expectations. One of the most impactful ways that you can serve others without sacrificing your own well-being is to set boundaries. And I know everyone's going to say, oh, boundaries. This may sound great in theory, but really hard to do on a day-to-day basis. But let me give you a practical example. Say a prayer request came into your church that really should be responded with a phone call, but you have very little time. And let's be honest, in that moment, you may not have the energy to offer the support that really that person you know they need. But of course, you don't want to brush that person off. This really is a situation that needs support, but you don't have the 45 minutes that you're thinking it's going to take to talk with them. This doesn't make you a terrible person. Having these feelings doesn't make you a bad caregiver, but you do need to recognize how can you support this person while at the same time having boundaries so it doesn't deplete you, so you are not completely worn out. And a simple way to manage expectations is to tell people upfront what you have available for them. For example, if you only have 15 minutes for that phone call, tell them at the outset of the call. For example, you could say, hey, I heard about your situation and I really wanted to give you a call right away and check in. I I only have about 15 minutes to chat, but please tell me how are things going? Then you can always agree to follow up later if the person needs more time or more support. This allows you to support someone, but at the same time have boundaries with your own time. I really encourage people in most situations to tell what you can offer up front. So it's so much nicer to tell people what you can do rather than saying no or in the middle of the conversation trying to figure out how to end this and how to get out of this because you just don't have any more time or maybe you are completely depleted. When people are given a boundary of what they can offer, most people respect that and are grateful for your support. And if they are not respecting that boundary, well, you have an easier way to end the conversation and rebook another time. You can say, you know what? My meeting is about to start. I'm so sorry to have to interrupt you. Can we connect tomorrow? Or can I can I give you a call later at four o'clock today? I have about 30 minutes in between appointments and I would love to hear more. So it's a nicer way to transition out when you are able to up. Front, tell people what their expectations or what the boundaries are of your time. All right, so that is practical offer number one on how you can continue to provide support without being depleted. The second one is having micro moments of reflection. Most pastors and care directors that I know have days full of back-to-back meetings, support sessions, and administration work. And it can be easy to become numb, jumping from one person to the next, or meeting to meeting, and not really reflecting on the impact of these stories, emails, and phone calls that you are receiving. And in order to maintain longevity, I recommend developing a habit or ritual that offers you a micro moment of reflection right in the middle of your day. For example, when I worked in a walk-in counseling clinic, every hour I would be seeing a different individual support. I would be walking through a different door and, and the person behind that door would have any number of issues that they're coming in for support for. And the weight of suffering that I was exposed to would quickly become heavy over this seven, eight, nine hour shift. And if I didn't learn how to reflect and care for myself in between sessions, well-being would definitely be impacted. And for you, uh, having a micro moment of reflection could be taking a couple moments for breath work or, or just stilling your mind, stilling your heart and taking a couple deep breaths. It could be a centering prayer at intervals of the different intervals of the day. Or it could be listening to a song or stretching and reflecting on your day and how you're doing. My practice when I was in that walking, walking counseling clinic was to pause in the hallway right outside the door before walking through. And I would say a small internal prayer, like help me to be present for these people. And then, afterwards, I would pause at my desk, releasing the tension and prayer and stretch before writing my notes or moving on to the next person. These very brief moments of reflection may seem silly, but let me tell you, they are powerful and they help sustain and support you as you support others. So I recommend developing this small habit or to have a micro moment of reflection once or twice at minimum throughout your day. It will tend to your needs at the same time as well while you're serving others. Now, the third practical tip I offer is self-care. And again, people might be like, oh my goodness, self-care, I hear this everywhere. But I view self-care as tending to your basic needs of food, rest, moving, or I like to say, eat, sleep, move. If All you need to focus on is eat, sleep, move. We, we all need to eat lunch. And for many, lunchtime is eating a stale granola bar from the bottom of your drawer while sitting at your desk typing notes. And I am very guilty of doing this. But I keep reminding myself that I'm not helping anyone hungry and tired. So fueling my body is a must. Treat your lunchtime like you would with a date with a friend. You wouldn't cancel on a friend at any request. You would consider it more carefully and you'd be more likely to shift the time rather than to cancel completely if something urgent came up. Say, you know, can we meet at, you know, 1230 or 1 rather than 12. I encourage you to open your calendar and schedule in lunch every day for the rest of this week and consider it like an appointment you would have with a good friend. When we eat lunch, we sit down, we are accomplishing three things. We are stopping our work and allowing our bodies and minds a break from the needs of others. We are eating something, hopefully nutritious and healthy, to give fuel for the rest of the day. And when we pray before our meal, we're recentering our thoughts and our mind on Christ, and it's an opportunity to bring Him the frustrations, grief, and feelings of helplessness. Self-care also includes sleep and moving. Remember, eat, sleep, move. And when we're tired, we're really not our best. We all know this. So by getting a good night's sleep, this is tending to your needs and preparing you for your best self. So By having a good sleep uh, routine and getting a good night's sleep really is supporting others. And I often ask people when they are asking for support or for a meeting, if the weather is good, if they would like to go for a walk and talk. This isn't always feasible. I recognize that. But walking with someone is a wonderful way that you can support them while also supporting your need for movement. Now, the fourth and final way that we can offer support while meeting our own needs is through connecting with others to debrief. Debriefing is very beneficial in supporting others, but it could also meet our natural need for connection and support. When you debrief with others, you can problem solve about support strategies. You can see care needs in a unique way. You can learn about different resources. uh, You can be supported, encouraged and validated and even receive care for yourself. Care ministry is often lonely because you're dealing with a lot of confidential information. But I encourage all caregivers to seek out appropriate opportunities to debrief. I've introduced a debriefing strategy called low-impact debriefing back in episode eight. This is a fantastic strategy that is trauma-informed to help uh, build or, or build structure in, in debriefing with others. It it supports the caregiver while honoring confidentiality. It's a fantastic uh, strategy for debriefing, and that is in episode eight. As caregivers, so much of our focus is on how we can help others, and while I don't think that's wrong, I think that might be how God wired us, but if we don't tend to our own needs and well-being, we can lose our ability to offer empathy because of compassion fatigue, or we can burn out in ministry because we're weary. But there are some options where we can care for others while at the same time supporting our own well-being. These simple strategies, is managing expectations, having micro moments of reflection, making lunch a priority, going for a walk with people, and debriefing all support others at the same time as supporting your own well-being. If you're curious to measure your levels of burnout and compassion fatigue, you can go to findinghopeinhelping.org slash quiz. And after answering 30 multiple choice questions, your custom scores will be emailed directly to you. Thanks so much for listening. I hope what was offered t- today was hope-filled and encouraging and c- because caring for others doesn't have to mean neglecting yourself. If you want to be reminded when an episode goes live, make sure you follow. Thanks for connecting. Take care.